Hello and welcome to the 138th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half, we'll discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Tiles by Roman116 Gaming. Austin, who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Austin Seiko, and right now I'm fortunate enough to be able to work full-time on game development. Excellent. So you... you uh, yeah, also, listeners, apologies for the voice. I'm just recovering from a cold. You probably guessed that. So we have a, a third guest, an unwelcome guest in the show, known as Cold Voice. Hooray! <laughs> um, so apologies for that if it's annoying you. Well, sorry. Just, you know, what are you going to do? I could, I could have just quit and just not done the show. How about that? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so you, you you mentioned that you're working full-time then. So let's just ask how let's go back in the past because it's all it's entirely up to you how far you want to go back you know do you want to say yes i was coding when i was a fetus or you know <laughs> you know how, how far i mean what was your first dabble i love to ask this question i mean when yes, yeah what, what was your first it, thing can i do you remember yeah there is actually a story behind it um i don't know if you've heard of a program called xbmc uh media center program software no. no, no, sorry, you lost me on that one. Sorry, <laughs> it's called Cody now. Um, but anyway, it's just a media center application. Um, so I used it hooked up to my TV for playing videos, and you can write add-ons for it. So basically, what it came down to is, I wanted an add-on to exist that didn't exist, and so I tried to make it. Um, I hadn't really had any experience with programming before that. Um, <clears throat> And that actually leads directly into game development through kind of a story. I did that for a little while, making multiple different add-ons for it. Um, and then later, there was a, a nonprofit that asked me about creating a Roku app for playing videos. Right. And just because I had make made a, a couple of add-ons for the XBMC kind of in regards to the same things and uh they wanted to know if i was able to do that and i said sure i had never made anything for the roku before but i figured i could probably figure it out um so unfortunately the the non-profit venture actually ended up not going through just funds or whatever just ended up kind of falling off and we didn't go through with it um but in that process, I had learned how to make apps for the Roku. Um, and before that, I had fiddled around with Game Maker. And I had a game called Retaliate that I'd put on Android. Um, I guess I'm starting with this Roku stuff because before that, that was more just me fiddling around with Game Maker. Um, but anyway, since I knew how to program for the Roku, I decided I'd try to put that game on there, um, put it on there for free. People played it, and then Roku approached me and asked about um, asking if I would be interested in trying to integrate ads into my game. They had never done that with games on that platform before, and I said, "Sure." It was just a free game on there, um, and that went well and actually generated revenue. So I made a few other games for the Roku, and that's just how it's gone. Wow! Basically, that's okay. how I got started. 
Um, any, any. I mean, I'll ask you this as well. I mean, I joked about the the, the fetus thing, but did you dabble with it even earlier than that, or was this the the first thing you? I mean, obviously uh, you have some. You must have some nous to be able to dabble into a, a closed system. What I could think of, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just like lots of kids. I would assume you know, you're into gaming, you're into computers in general. You you kind of just learn things as you go. Right. Um, I, like I said, I had played around with Game Maker, but I had played around with the non-programming aspects of it. Like I hadn't really done any programming before and that. And it has a robust programming background to it, doesn't it? I mean, it's quite... It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's I mean, if advanced. you're actually going to get involved with Game Maker, you would want to uh, actually learn the language. It's hard to do everything with the visual object-oriented... or object... I don't know what they call it. <clears throat> dragging things around, drag and drop Yeah, system. I mean, from what I've read and learned about it and played with it myself, it's um, the other way around. You have to learn the language first and the UI basically uh, assists you. It's not, you know, it's it's more like this whole, you know, the drag and drop system you're talking about is something that enhances the language that you're developing, which is still relatively high level, of course. It's not... It's far from assembly, yeah. of course, but then again, who writes an assembly anymore? Um, so yeah. it's only crazy driver people who do that. Um, I think, I think, I might be wrong. Um, um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it is quite interesting to, to hear you talk about how your, your, your beginnings were really on a, on a very interesting, like, it is a user interface thing for a device. I just want to make it do things I wanted to do, whereas most laymen or people go, it doesn't do that. Oh, okay, then. And that's that. Well, you stood up and said, well, I'll, I'm sure it's capable of doing that. Yeah, but it doesn't do it. But I'm sure it's yeah. But it's capable. So I know, but it doesn't. Can we move on? No. I'm going to make <laughs> it do what it does. And that's really wonderful to hear. This is like, it's it's modding. Of course it is, but in yeah, a, in a, in I a, guess a, you could call it that. It is, yeah. yeah, like they have an official like how to make add-ons for it type of a thing. Yeah, it's it's made making add-ons for a you know you could maybe think of it in the same way as like somebody making add-on for Photoshop or whatever. You're modifying an existing yes. piece yes. of software I to remember, do what you want it to do. I remember during the early days with the um, Photoshop where. The basic application was great, but it was, it was you know, in order to get any halfway functioning that you wanted it to do with, you had to get all these add-ons for it as well. I remember that. Mm-hmm. That's all gone now because Adobe just either bought them out or just made them themselves. Um, <laughs> I might be wrong about that, but I just use it in this vanilla state now because it's perfectly fine. It does what it was supposed to do in the first place. Um, yeah, it's robust. Yeah, it's pretty good robust. And yes, I do own a full copy of it. Stop, stop it. I didn't steal it. Anyway... I don't. I know. I'm a big thing of not stealing software. It's wrong because um, taps, taps like you. It's not stuff. Not fair. Um, yeah. So, okay, and this led you into making tiles. Obviously, but we we'll talk about that in, in depth uh, later. Uh, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, it led me into making games for the Roku. Like I did right. that for a while. Uh, I released a game called Retaliate. Yes. Game uh, Snake Game. Okay. Uh, it's actually been the most successful one, of course. <laughs> Um, what is it like? And, and is it like the Nokia? It's thing? like the like the old phone snake, oh, wow. but newer version. Basically, it's not exactly like that. Um, yeah, that's gone really well. Um, I made a game that I'm technically like from a technical standpoint, I'm really pr- proud of what I accomplished. Right. But like uh, as far as number of players, it's my 
least successful game, I guess. It's called Neon Party Games. I made that for the Roku. Um, that one is a game where you use your phone as the input device. Oh, yeah. So okay. yeah. you can have any number of people playing the game. It's like set up to be anybody that's on the local network can jump into the game and play. And it's like six mini games of uh, playing against each other. Like I said, it supports any number of people. Um Using your phone as input. Yeah, the, so. the last time I did that, that was, was I was at a friend's house. It was a year ago now, and uh, there's a lot of us there. And uh, we had this wasn't your game, unfortunately. It was something. It was the I can't remember what they're called now. Where you put phrases in and you put questions in, and it's quite. Was it like Jackbox? Yeah, that's it. That was it. Yeah, that was it. This, yeah, yeah. The, that's like the closest thing. That's it's along the lines of that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, really funny. But this was yeah. this was like live action. It wasn't trivia where it's um, right. What am I trying to say? Turn based type of of a system okay be, yeah yeah um so yeah hmm. i was really happy with that but it's way too niche like yeah you need multiple people to play it type of a thing yeah yeah um so yeah that part has gone really well and then uh the thing that about the roku games like why snake did so well is because you're extremely limited on your input right like you basically only have up, down, left, right, right. to play a game with. Yeah. And then um, <clears throat> something kind of quirky about the Roku is it doesn't accept multiple inputs at once. Like you couldn't even do something where you're holding over and then press up to jump. The over will stop registering. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. it only accepts one at a time. So you're really limited in the like what you come up with with a game. Um Again, Snake works perfect. It's just tapping different. Yeah, directions. that's why it works on the Nokia's. So yeah, it's just yeah. It's, just, uh, it's, it's already co- it's covering the the the, the movement already because it's like it's always moving. So that's why the games like you know um, the Infinite Runners, you know, Cannibal, and stuff like that. That's why Cannibal was so successful in the early smartphones because you just got to punch the screen every now and again. Yeah, you've really got to like. There's some games that can go cross-platform, but. Um, I think it's really difficult for a game to go cr- cross-platform between devices with different input. Like yeah. you have to design a game when you know it's going to be for the phone. That all has to be in mind with the design process. Um, like you can't just take a game off the computer more often than not and throw it onto a phone right. and have it work. It'll just feel awkward. You could maybe put on-screen, you know, D-pad and A and B button, but that just doesn't feel good at all. No, no, um, that never works. Always ends in tears. It just doesn't work. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, yeah, okay. So I think we've sort of nailed what your influences are. I think. Well, that's I nailed them. But there's a there's an indication. It seems like you be you're driven by by limitation because that's my my next question to you is what are your biggest influences? Is as a creator, what what are the things that drive you? Um, as far as influences, if we're talking like people or games, it's a it's a, I, it's a it's a nebulous question, which I still want to rewrite, but I can't because it it, it I want it to be nebulous in that it could <laughs> be it could be anything. It could be anything what you just described, or it could be other yeah. games or the environment you're working within, for example. You know, you're saying that the Roku has the limitations, yet you seem to exploit them rather well. And, you know... Something that was really good about the Roku was that it's really challenging to develop for, yes. Um, But 
having those limitations also kind of feels like a safe zone. Like nobody's expecting some like extreme beautiful graphics because the Roku just can't handle it, and nobody's expecting a certain type of gameplay because you just can't do that with remote. So like starting out, it was it was a good experience to be able to be forced to work within those limitations. It's almost like it also gives you a guideline. There there are limitations, but it also guides you into the what type of games you can make. Um, and like I said, the expectations. It's a good place to start out. Okay. okay. Uh, so that was really good. Um, but like I said, if you're talking about general, like like people or games, yeah, um, what I literature, I don't know something like like I bring up Super Hexagon a, a lot. Um, yes. Like that developer is like it's just me. I have people that I do have helped me with like the music. I didn't make little various things, but like as far as my company, it's just me. Um, and in that instance, it'd kind of be the same. Um, but that developer, the developer of Super Hexagon, I'm pretty sure I've seen somewhere that like he's a programmer like a, and a game designer, but visual art isn't his strong point. But he just focuses on making games that doesn't require that as a, you know, you look at VVVV, however many Vs there are, or Super Hexagon, they're just shapes. Yeah, the shapes very rudimentary pixel art or whatever and that's something i can accomplish but just focus on the gameplay like that's what i try to do with tiles it's just like set out to make something that i knew i could tackle and make the gameplay play be the main focus of what's enjoyable about it like yeah if i try to do anything that was art heavy i'd either be spending years trying to teach myself art because i'm not an artist or i'd be spending a lot of money hiring it out right you know to to or kind of they're both not really within my scope right now. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I mean, yeah, I love Super Hexagon. I don't know if you've done this, but I've played the Commodore 64 version, which works perfectly well. Um, it's oh, a, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, but uh, it's a little bit slower for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I've even played the C64 version of um, uh, Cannibal. And again, not bad. It's a little bit, you know, it's not quite as... There's stuff in there that's not there because it's it's an 8-bit computer. I mean, when you see people say, oh, yeah, it's like 8-bit-like graphics, yeah, but an 8-bit computer can possibly do what that's doing. It will collapse yeah. under the weight of its own self. It, you could not do it uh, because of the all memory restraints and all, all the other facets that mm-hmm. people don't know about. I know you do, and I do, obviously, but many people don't. Like, yeah, I was going to say, it, it's transitioning away from needing to worry about constraints, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like PCs are, especially for an indie developer, like the odds of you making a game that's going to actually push a PC to its max performance, like a high-end PC, you know, um, probably not so much. Yeah, that's a uh, No Man's Sky. Sorry, sorry to mention it. Sorry, there it is. <laughs> sorry, hello games. Love you. Sorry, but there it is. That was right. that was an indie, technically indie, and look what happened there. But yes, I guess that's true. The yeah. scope of what's be, what's regarded as indie or not indie is kind of yeah, vague it's, too. It's, you know, it's absurd. I mean, double fine. Indie can be a hundred million dollar project almost it, as well. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how much things like those were costing, but no. they're big games. They are. They are. Uh, Elite Dangerous is another. Anyway, we could go on. Uh, I don't think they're indie though. There's like 400 people strong. That's not indie. Um, so oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the, the, trust me, I, I know them. They're, yeah, very. No, they're not. Um, and then admit that. But um, 
But that's a good answer. We'd be inspired by others, you know, to influence by others, to be driven by others. And I think this sort of leads on, and it ha- happens most in every episode, because it leads on to the next question. That's how I designed them, you see. Is that um, mm. what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Um, I'm going to have to say I've, I've, I've watched Indie Game the movie, like, more than a dozen times. Really? <laughs> I must yeah. confess. Have you, this, have you seen it this, or no? Yes, no, I have, but only okay. once. Um, I don't know why. I mean, considering I host this show, which is about you know game development, you'd think I would have watched that film a similar number of times as you have, but no, because I find the parts of Mr. Fish disturbing. I know. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, when I'm rewatching it, I'm I'm often more interested in like what Jonathan Blow is saying or yes. Edmund. McMillan, yes, um, and I've watched interviews and stuff with them as well. I, I like a lot of their things on game game design, but um, yeah, but it's for that reason. Like I wouldn't have even looked them up or anything otherwise. Really, I mean, I did play Super Meat Boy. I think before I saw that movie. Yes, I think I did too. Um, I did too. But a lot of it's just because of that. And then I went and looked up interviews and stuff by them. And, uh, I really like a lot of their ideas on game design, things like that. I even take a little bit of inspiration with that, with my game tiles, like, uh, how quick the levels are when you die and reset and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a little bit like super meat boy style of playing a level, dying all the time, but resetting fast. And they, uh, The way the game has no tutorial, but you just learn naturally. Like Jonathan Blow is really big into that, like the process of discovery. He doesn't want to ruin that for people by telling them what to do. He likes setting it up so people are able to figure it out on their own. He, he credits people that's with intellect. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. That's a different way of viewing people. Yeah, I you know. know. It's um, it's he does that. it goes the antithesis of a lot of game design. Is that. You know, there's a game we we interviewed uh, a couple of weeks back um, uh, called Future Unfolding, and that's just your. There's no explanation given whatsoever. You're just this thing, and oh, well, sorry, there's a vertical sort of like um, plan view landscape, if you will, looking top down. There you go. That's the phrase I was looking for. Top down landscape, and there's a person right in the middle of it, and uh, no indication. But the developer assumes you're going to pick up the controller. And move the left thumbstick. And when you do that, the little dude moves as well. And so it begins. But, you know, the developer has made an assumption that the person picking up the controller would know that if they move the left thumbstick, something will happen. And Or if they press a button or something, something will happen. And I think you can make a, quite a few assumptions yes. now as well. Like, yes. I've, I've watched... Uh, can't even think of the name, but the person that made the original Mario game talk about designing the first level right. so that people figure it out. You know, back, back then, maybe you couldn't make as many assumptions of people knowing what to do. Yeah. Whereas now you can yeah. uh, make more assumptions, I think. And I think uh, that's why I like. I, I'm more positive saying, you know, to give credit the audience with some intelligence and uh, they, they, they know how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, But you'd be amazed, like, um, I've watched people like I really enjoy watching streams of people playing my game for the first time because okay. you get to see that, right? See people who have never they don't know what to do yeah, yet. Yeah, um, it really is interesting seeing the differences in people. Some people will just immediately click what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, 
on a level and the other ones like i've never had anybody not figure it out yet but it just takes some more time or whatever yeah, but they feel just even better when they do figure it out it's something i've covered on this show before but we're going to talk about it again because you raised it uh but um playing in front of an audience and it's also playing in front of the developer is quite a is is, is i find it a bit anxious i get a bit anxious about it i do it anyway because it's part of the job <laughs> but when i go to expo especially packs and stuff like that i mean i've had many guests that i've met from packs and i said you know this is the first time i played your game and it's quite you're standing there looking at me and i'm just thinking is he because i'm paranoid does he think i'm a moron now that i can't get through this bit and it's like nine times out of ten, actually most, all the times out of ten, no, they don't think you're a moron. They just want to know why is it, you know, they want to know, oh, he's stuck on this. He's not dumb. Yeah. So maybe I'm missing it's, something it's, here. You know what I mean? It's really valuable. Yeah, it's super valuable to the yeah. developer. Yeah. And you want to do that earlier than later so this, where you see somebody with no experience play it. Because yeah. <clears throat> you know what you're supposed to do, but other people don't. So it's not... It's, you're never judging. You can't do that. It's ridiculous. No, it's it's, yeah. it's and from the other side of it, it's challenging as well. Like I tried to my best because I've gone to a couple just local uh, showing things where people will play your game, just like what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's challenging from the developer side of it as well to, to think like I want to watch because I want to see what they're doing, but I want to do it in a really low pressure way. Like I don't want even want them to know I'm watching. I just want it to be natural or whatever. Yeah, I could try to just kind of like hang back and talk to somebody else a little bit, but also watch. Um, just try not to get too involved and let them yeah. play the game naturally. And it's especially the case of puzzle games like Tiles because. Um, it's challenging your intellect at a certain level, not at a you know, but it is challenging, you know, a, a way of lateral thinking uh, and sort of reacting to things and that sort of thing. And when I play puzzle games at shows, I love puzzle games, but um, when I play them at shows and I know the developer standing, there, I'm just thinking, does he think I'm an idiot <laughs> that I can't do this? <laughs> it's like no, they don't. They just never do. It's a silly thing to think, but it's still that human sort of thing. Am I being judged here? No, really, they're not. No. No, you're not, Chris. Just being paranoid. So, um, okay. Well, that's that's a great answer, a great response. Uh, you, 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 I mean, to to watch uh, the. I, mean, I think I need to watch that film again. Sounds like I need to. Uh, but like I said, the the uh, Phil Fish bit was like him mean, sitting at the bottom of the pool, getting, yeah. getting really, uh, get, just having a massive crisis over his amazing game, which turned out to be amazing. Which, by the way, is five years old today. Oh, it's five years old today. today. Okay. Yeah. Someone, someone cool. posted on Twitter five years ago today. This came out. Oh my god! So <laughs> yeah, can't believe it's been five years, but it has been five years. Um, so let's move on to the final question of the first half. It's a question I have to ask because, well, we're talking about video games and it's a podcast, so I have to ask this question: What are you playing right now? Um, too much Overwatch. Right. <laughs> So have you been playing it since like beta sort of like period? No, I haven't been playing it that long. I actually pre-ordered it and then didn't play it for like three months after it came out. Right. I don't know why. I just hadn't gotten around to trying it. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm unfortunately that type of person that like I play one game at a time almost. Like I will just be fully invested in a single game for an extended period of time and then move on to something else later. Um. So I wish I could do that. Yeah, 
that's my game right now, basically. Yeah, I really wish I could do that, but I, I'm slightly shying away from it yeah. because I got into like higher ranking, and there's always this dream of as you get to higher ranks that things are better. It was worse. Like I got to high masters, almost grandmasters, and people were less cooperating, and uh, it was actually worse gameplay experience than lower ranks, and that was disappointing. Oh dear! Um, so they just look out for themselves and assume that you know what you're yeah. doing, and that's that. Uh, like your Overwatch, a thing on YouTube called your your Overwatch, actually put out a video about it recently, and I thought it was really interesting that. What happens is to climb through the ranks, you get a lot of people that are extremely skilled with one character. So they're like just really good with this one DPS. A lot of them are DPS. Okay. Okay. So they're carrying themselves up through the ranks that way. Um, But it's supposed to be a team game. But the way people are climbing is just being extremely good mechanically. So in the high ranks, you end up with a lot of people that are extremely skilled mechanically, but they're not flexible in the characters they can play, and they're really not that into teamwork. Um, they just think they're amazing at the game, and they try to do their own thing. It stops working at a certain <clears throat> point. But um, that runs counter to the game's design. Exactly. That's the problem. Is The game is designed to be a team game, but it doesn't even encourage people to play as a team. Like People shy away from six-man queues because um, it's more difficult to play that way. Uh, oftentimes feels more punishing, so people just play alone and ignore the team aspect of it, sort of. So it's unfortunate. Huh. Cause, um, I don't know if they are not. Yeah, I mean, when you said, you know, like the inflexible, you only play one sort of... T- the whole point of, you know, I'm going to say this now, because when I, I played it in beta and I went to press events and all sorts of things, you would not believe how much I played that game before it even touched the ground. And the whole premise of it, one of the things that appealed to me was that you didn't just have to play the same character. In fact, it was a bad idea to do that. You know, you changed depending on the combat engagement happening that was the whole thing is you had this vast array of tools which are the different characters and you manipulated that tool set depending on what was going on in the battlefield that's how we played it back then yeah so it's not uh, i don't i'm confused how could this not happen oh well i can see why as you just It'd be yeah um, so i I was disappointed, and then uh, I went and tried to chat with other people, or maybe even at higher ranks or whatever. I'm like, at what point does this start becoming like the game that you see in competitive play? You know what I mean? Where it's all about communication and and doing what you said, accommodating to the situation. And they're like, oh, you basically got to get to top 500 for that. I'm like, so only the top 500 people in all of the region are know how to play the game? Like, yeah. That's not good. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah. That's shocking because I've only ever played it casually, you see. Because I, I play yeah. too many games because I have to because of the job and things. So I've got, no, that makes yeah, sense. I've got a lot on my plate, and uh, so the only time I get to do, I get snatches of half hour, twenty minutes, that kind of thing, which you probably balk at and horrified by. But you know, it's how I play it, and you know, it's a regular <laughs> group of friends, and we just, you know, it's it's just you know, we have a bit of fun, and like, oh look, I'm just falling off the edge, and like, oh dear, that was bad. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> That was a common, <laughs> common yelling thing. Yeah, sorry. And uh, but it's still, it's it's fun for me. It's just like me in Rocket League as well. Every now and again, just play that for twenty minutes and I'm done. You know, I'm yeah. not out there to to be. Uh, the last time I did that was about ten years ago, maybe twelve years ago, when I was playing Call of Duty. 
The first one. The very first one. Oh. The very, very, very first one. Very first one. The very one. first one. Just to be clear. Not not Modern Warfare, not that. No, before that. The three games before <laughs> that. That one. That one. Uh, please, I played that competitively for a little bit. That was fun. Oh. That was fun. But then I grow old and my hand-to-eye coordination isn't is. So, yeah, not so much now. Anyway... <laughs> Um, so yes, Overwatch. Good call, though. I mean, Blizzard. Hats off to them. Are you? It's it's a really well done game. Like, yeah, and uh, extremely well done. And uh, are you playing the? Because I understand there's a horde mode coming up pretty soon. Do you do any of that? Stuff? I haven't. Even though, like I said, that's like my go-to game. I play a ton right yeah. now. I haven't actually. I haven't played it since the patch came out. I haven't played it for the last week, maybe. Yeah. I've just kind of been caught up with other things. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting that they release stuff like that. I mean, just like Hearthstone. Hearthstone's a multiplayer game, and every now and again, oh look, there's some single-player nonsense. Go and play that for a bit. Okay, now go play WoW. No, no one plays WoW. Anyway, yeah, that's what it's like. I stopped that a long time. Yes, now. me too. Me too. All right then. Um, well, first half over. See, relatively painless. Well done. You did it. Uh-huh. You got through it. And uh, but now we go into the deep depths of tiles in part two of oh, this great show. just continue with where I essentially left off with the Roku. It's uh, kind of why I stopped at that point was because I knew you wanted to talk about this game specifically yes. later here. Um, so, like I said, uh, like I was making games for the Roku for, for a while, and so Tiles was originally made for the Roku. Um, so, big part of the design of it is because of that. Like, the gameplay itself only being up, down, left, right. Yep. That's because I sat down and was thinking of my next game and thinking, I need a game that's just up, down, left, right. Um, and then I just kind of imagined a game where it's like, I imagine those blocks in Mario that after you step on them, they fall. That's just a whole grid of that, essentially. Um, but from top-down view, moving around on a grid that falls as you move on it. Um I will say the original thought in my mind was something that had to do a little more with, say, reactions and movement speed as opposed to puzzles. Um, but I think you still see that in the game, what it is. There's still lots of levels that are not puzzles at all. It's just about timing and movement. Yeah. Um, so I started making the game, started working on some levels for it, got the core of um, start to finish and clear the tiles in between things set up. Um, and then I was having so much fun working on levels, I decided I wanted that to be a, 
a core part of what the game is. And so I immediately jumped away from making the game itself onto working on the back end of how to do user-created levels. Um, and then the, looking back, I'm fine with the fact that I didn't develop it further for the Roku just because it allowed me room to develop it further for the PC release. But the Roku version is actually just... You can think of it like a Mario Maker would be. There's no game. It's just facilitates creating and playing other people's created levels. Okay. Um, so that's what the game ended up being on the Roku, just because I immediately delve into that part of it for whatever reason. I wanted right, to make right. make that system. Um, <clears throat> but then I was really happy with the game. Um and I, I did release it on the Roku just as that. Like I said, it's just a level editor and playing user-created levels. Um, okay, okay. But I was happy with it, and I wanted to use it as my project to attempt to branch out to other platforms. I was kind of feeling myself, especially with Neon Party games, that I was kind of hitting that ceiling of I'm wanting to make deeper, more complicated games, and I'm hitting limits on the Roku, essentially. Like, it's great for just simple little games like Snake, um, and I might continue to make simple little games for it just because it's working out. Um, but I would like to get into making more more complicated games. Yeah, so it's a stepping stone to something greater. Yeah. Uh, maybe a greater, more complex. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. So that was the, more, when, more, when, more freedom what, in what uh, I can make. Really? What I mean, what I mean, greater. I don't mean better. I mean larger. The yeah, English, larger. English language is so annoying sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, uh, okay. My first question to you then is: um, I've written this down, and I'm going to sort of paraphrase it because I don't like reading that text. But basically, what I think is, at its core, Tiles is both a puzzle game and a dexterity-based title. I, I believe. Do you believe one overrides the other? Or do you believe they are both just as important? Um, it's a part of the game that I'm really happy with how it turned out. That it's essentially it can be either or, and it can be both, just all based on the level design. Like there's levels when I first introduced the orange tiles that it's just a straight line. Like that's not a puzzle at all. There's nothing to figure out. Um, it's all about your movement dexterity based is probably a good way to put it i don't think that's a category on steam um it's not but, no but yeah the, it is a category in board games though oh really okay. yeah so any game that has any physicality to it that requires you to move something at, the, at, at a point of accuracy in a physical space is described as dexterity okay so i mean like, i like the i like that way of describing it uh, like some people say it's a puzzle platformer like i don't know if that's I think that's no. what people say. Platforming, they're meaning that a lot of times is dexterity, skill of yes. your movement type of thing. Yes, you're being tested not only in your mental acumen, but also your ability to interact with a, a, a thing on the screen at a reasonably fast pace, and also change your direction and change your interaction or reaction to what's going on in the screen very quickly and accurately. That's 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 that is dexterity. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, I'd say it's definitely both, and it all depends on the level. Like, <clears throat> I could easily make a level that has lots of the purple tiles that are safe, 
and you know you move a, over a section and then you can stop and think so like that level could play out really slow and it'd be all about figuring out where you need to go um so that you don't mess up your paths and you can still get to the finish line like that would be a pure puzzle essentially and then like i said there's levels that it's just a straight line and you need to do the timing right and movement right my oh. favorites though and i'm going to ask you about this my second question really is to do with um how the signposting in each level when a level opens up for the first time i read it very quickly and uh, for me it's the one you have the ones that balance between both puzzle and dexterity i know what to do but i've got to do it really quickly <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. you know i want to follow this path i've got to do this really quickly i know what to do we'll do it really quickly so how do you believe is the best way to signpost that signpost the what what do you think you do in, in the game in the tiles what what do you think you've done to to advertise this you've already hinted at it earlier but i want you to talk about it a bit, a bit more what what, do you, what did you do to educate the, the, the player on how this thing worked oh um as far as the broader like how you figure things out to solve the puzzles i just leave that up to people but there definitely is intentional level design as far as especially the first page of levels which is obvious that like i slowly introduced the different tile types um i forced you to do certain things like the one level that's just a long strip of the tiles that you have to step on twice uh, you won't believe how many people, you, maybe you did it, that just go immediately to the end and then get traversed back over the other way and they end up standing on the tile that they started on and realize I don't I remember to doing... be on the red one. No, what, what bothered me is I went over the first one or the second one and went, wait, why isn't it gone? Why is it not changed again? Oh, man. So that's what happened to me. I remember yeah. like going off the first sort of like section and going, oh, wait. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Why isn't uh-huh. it gone? It's supposed to have got. Damn it. So I was cursing yeah. you at that point. No offense. But... So, <laughs> I don't know. Definitely the first page of levels. There's lots of areas where I force people to do right. specific things that I know that they need to understand. Um, and, like I said, like when I introduce different tile types, it's usually stripped down to just an extremely easy level. So you can obviously see what that tile is doing. The yellow ones, it's just a ring around the center or around the finish. And so if you don't do it fast enough, they fall away. And so you find out those are timed. Like, it doesn't matter if you stepped on them. They just fall away after a certain amount of time. Okay. <clears throat> and then the or- orange ones, you obviously see disappearing and reappearing. Um, so that's that part of it is as far as teaching people how to play the game but as far as what you're saying of signposting uh, i don't know if you're talking about like helping them to know how to figure things out i guess i don't know do no you don't do that what i'm trying to say is that when you're presented with a level where my eyes work in it is i check colors so i go there's orange over there okay purple there oh there's a yellow joy there it goes you know that kind of thing it's it's just that it's just a way of actually, you know, uh, presenting to the player a way to read the, each level so they can jump in quickly. But I think you've answered it by saying, well, you've explained to the player. What yeah, each slowly introduce some. Yeah, yeah, so that way, by proxy or by osmosis or whatever phrase you want to use, 
<laughs> when they see the new levels with the combos of all those different types of tiles, they will understand what to do. So that's yeah. I introduce them all individually. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and there's actually like. Um, I think it's level 36 or something like that. You're like fair amount of way through the game and there's another learning level that's uh it's just three branches out from the center that you have to go over four blue tiles and back and it forces you to know that it's possible to traverse four and back over them because at that point after that point you will need that for some levels. Uh before that I never forced you to do that. Right. Um, I don't okay. know how far you've gotten or not. Oh, no, I don't want to spoil anything. Seriously, I mean, even this game doesn't want to spoil anything. But yes, I I'm aware of that. I've been playing it far too much. Um, but okay. um, <laughs> speaking of uh, um, playing, uh, the music is really, really well suited to tiles. So well done. That's, very- uh, that, that's like I, I think I mentioned earlier that... Uh, like I did most of the game myself, but there are a few things that I, I contracted out to other people, I and that was one but of them. You, you made this happen. She, you know. she did a very, very good job. I essentially said, <laughs> I, I don't know if people who do art or who do music, I don't know what they prefer. If they prefer, you know, guidelines of I want this within these exact specifications, but I usually am very general. Like, make me something cool right. um, okay. and g- give them freedom to do whatever. Well, All I said is this game involves a lot of like, um, like the levels are quick and and things like that. Like, I couldn't have a music that starts when the level starts. And finishes when you die, or finishes when you yeah. finish the level, because it'd just be cutting off all the time. So I just needed a persistent soundtrack that fit with the game, and that's what she did. Worked out great. Who is the person? Sorry, you haven't mentioned her name. Oh, I've called it now. I I know the name, but it's one of those things where they go by a name. They got a name, and then they got an internet alias. Oh, okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> so if you look it up, if you look at your Steam library, you'll see it. It says Svetlana okay. Torbovich or something crazy like that. Okay, that's that would be the name on SoundCloud right. um, to see her other music. But um, the reason I mention it, I mean, we've already played some on the show already, so you know what I'm talking about here, listener. Mm-hmm. Is uh, it's very upbeat. It's very you know cheery and happy and uh, I'm just wondering and you probably don't know this but my question is does it temper the players frustrations as they fail once again was it deliberate or was it just I, I, that wasn't deliberate again right. I just asked him for music and she made this music for the game but, she, I had part of the game done so she knew what she was making music for obviously um, but if that was intentional, that was on her, and it, it definitely has worked that way, though. Like I said, I've watched people play it on streams, and they're like, the only thing that's stopping me from you know, rage quitting right now is that the music's so soothing, yeah. or things like that. Yeah. So um, it's, just it's almost really like cheery. it contrasts. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of contrasts the gameplay in some ways. The, you know, the gameplay can be kind of frustrating, challenging, where that's so happy. But it, it balances each other out almost. Well, um, yeah. I mean, look at Super Hexagon. I mean, there's there's a track which most people have only heard the last first fifty seconds of. If they're, <laughs> yeah, you know. And but even still, people still. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get past. I will see. I will. I listen to the fifty first second of this song if it kills me. You know, it's just. It's yeah. um. That, there are games like that's definitely one of them where like 
you almost want to play again just to keep listening to the music almost. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. It pulls you back into playing the game. My last question then is a very mechanical one. It's the terms of mechanics of a game, the core component of tiles. Um, the collapse mechanism of tiles is very central to its premise. So, the listener, basically, as you move your icon across, the tiles, typically, not all of them, uh, but most of them, they start to dissolve behind you. Mm-hmm. How difficult has it been to manage the rate of the dissolve of these tiles versus the player's ability to move the marker on to the next um, bit? How difficult has it been to judge that timing and how much, um, you know? I, I That was like one of the very first things I put in. I set it for like 1.4 seconds from the time you step on it till the time it is disappears. Like it starts falling away, then it falls away. Um, I kind of just set it there and, and started making levels and thought it felt all right. Uh, and then I went based off of myself, like how many I think I can traverse over comfortably. Right. And then wouldn't ever force people to go outside of that. Like I was going to mention earlier, you talked about it, the difference between levels being puzzles or dexterity based. Yes. There's a lot, yes. there's a lot of instances where if you're better at puzzle solving, you can just focus on that part of solving the puzzle. Like I said, it, it's rare that I ever even force you to go across four and come back over them. Um, but I've seen plenty of people who are very quick with button pressing um, that they'll get around a lot of the puzzles that I designed. Like I designed it to be a challenge, but just because they're so fast, they completely undo any challenge I would have put in front of them. Um, so it's almost like you could play it in two different ways that way. But I, I never force too much on the player as far as movement. Um, and a big part of that is I want the game to be fully playable with a gamepad as well. And I just don't feel like you can move as fast with a gamepad as you can with a keyboard. So it was designed no, around I, the gamepad. I find myself playing the keyboard more than the gamepad. Um, the yeah. If you're using a thumbstick, especially, it's terrible. No offense. Oh no, just, I I wouldn't play it that way. <laughs> it's it's because the that split second it takes for the thumbstick to move from neutral position to, you know, engage is too long. It's too yeah. long. Uh, yeah, just, don't don't do that, everyone. Don't. It's a bad idea. Yeah. If, if you can use if you can use a um, a gamepad, you can have to use the D-pad on it or something yeah. like that. Um, but uh, sadly, I'll have a 361, and the D-pad on those are terrible. Oh. Oh, yeah, I, oh. that's. I started, like I said, it was initially for the Roku, which D pad's fine on that. And I yeah. started working on the PC version. I had a 360 gamepad, and I was like, this is not going to work at all. No. It, but then I got an Xbox, Xbox One yeah. controller, and that D pad's great. So yeah. that's fine. Yeah, I still have a 360 plug in someone. I need to fix that. Yeah. I need to replace it now, really. I've, I might put a PS4 version in, actually. Better. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're even better. Than the, the, the ultimate. Well, actually, no, the NES is the ultimate one. But there it is, um, in my opinion. Oh, God, all those Sega Master System people yelling at me now. Now, um, <laughs> sorry, retro stuff. Nonsense. Austin, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Thanks. Um, and uh, I've certainly learned a lot about uh, making the puzzle games and tiles and stuff and um, I hope you got something out of it yeah it was enjoyable cool um, the game Tiles is out on Steam right now yes yeah and uh, 
I think we did briefly mention something about other platforms. Maybe yes. not. Maybe before we were recording. But um, I'm current. It's on Steam right now, so Windows, Mac, and Linux all works. Um, and I'm working on the Xbox version right now for Xbox One, and then. T- other platforms playstations definitely yes as well it's just less far along in development um so there will be other things coming as well maybe sometime we work well on the switch as well i did i did actually just uh email them my pitch essentially for because mono game which is what i used to make the game right uh just announced that they're going to support they have support for the Switch, whereas they didn't for the Wii U. So I was like, hey, that's great. I'm going to apply and see what happens. So as an we'll o- see about that. As an owner of one, I can only advocate for it as a platform. They, they are truly amazing. And um, what's really cool is you can actually bolt... Now they've, they've got a situation where you can bolt one of the Joy-Cons onto the bottom of the Switch console, you know, the, the, the screen, and then uh-huh. switch it horizontal. Not horizontal, vertically, like a vertical sort of orientation. So you've got uh-huh. longer sort of APEC, and then you can play like arcade games like that, like, you know. Oh, I see. <laughs> so cool. Which is very cool. Um, so, you know, like um, shoot-em-ups, like up and down shoot shoot 'em ups That'd be perfect for that. So, yeah, Ukaruga, yay. Um, <laughs> you, can only, you can only dream. But, um, no, awesome. It's been great having you on, and wish you very best of luck in uh, releasing the uh, tiles on the other platforms, as you just said. And uh, we really yeah. thanks for for revealing that. That's very very good of you. And um, uh, one thing, if yes. you don't mind, yes, sure. uh, I was going to mention about that as well. One thing I'm really hoping works out, and I think it will, and that I'm hoping will be somewhat unique. I don't know if many other games doing it is that the user created level system um, is not. Uh, specific to any platform so any levels that are made right now or in the future if a person makes a level on their xbox person on pc can play it vice versa all across different consoles and pc so i'm hoping that will flesh out like i know it will work on my part but i don't know limitations with consoles what they allow and don't allow um it'll be an interesting uh infrastructure thing there but uh I know we didn't delve into level editor much. The reason I did that is because I want to talk about how you design them and therefore can inspire yeah. others to make it. Because, so you know, understanding that balance between puzzle and, and dexterity. Do you have one or the other? Well, no, you can have both or one or the other. It doesn't matter. Whatever works. Whatever works. Yeah. doesn't matter. So that's, that's what I want to draw out of you. But, yes, there is a very, very robust and uh, detailed uh, level editor with the game. It's very impressive. All yeah. right. It's what, I, it's what I used to make all the levels yeah. for the game. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Then. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer, you listen to the show, and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Also, don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show, which is the stablemate podcast, should we say, of spong.com. Bye!